The four basic ways of Navajo witchcraft are witchery, sorcery, wizardry, and frenzy. None of the four are actually witchcraft in the European sense of the word. They are simply additional parts of the vast spirituality of the Navajo people. Witchcraft is not separate from Navajo spirituality. It is simply another set of ways within the Navajo religion. The Navajo believe that people must live in harmony with Mother Earth and that there are two classes of beings, Earth people, who are the mortals, and the holy people, who are unseen spiritual beings. They believe these beings have the ability to either help or harm mortals. The Navajo believe illness and life problems are, quote, disorder within one's life that can be remedied with herbs, prayers, songs, medicine men, and ceremony. However, while medicine men learn the Navajo ways to heal and aid those who are afflicted, there are others who practice Navajo witchcraft and seek to direct spiritual forces to harm or cause misfortune to others. From paranormal.lovetoknow.com To all you lovely people out there in the rapidly cooling hinterlands, it's Rock, and I'm here with my co-host, Max, and we're going to be your guides as we trek into Season 3 of Nightmares and Daydreams, people. Yes, welcome. Rock Speaks True, y'all. It is October. The spooky season begins. Yes, it does. Mm-hmm. In addition to being October, we are kicking off our third season. Can you believe it? Barely. And to celebrate... <laughs> We have a ton of spooky stuff going down this month. Yep, stick around, y'all. It's going to be a spooktacular time this October here at Nightmares and Daydreams. And we couldn't have done it without you fine folks who like, subscribe, review, tell your friends, tell your enemies, all that. Thank you guys so much. 100%. All right, Max, so where were we? No, we got a little excited there for a moment. We were letting people know that we're going to be their guides as we explore the dusty hallways and hidden tombs in search of forgotten lore here at Nightmares, Nightmares and, and Daydreams. Daydreams. You know, Max, it kind of sounds like my line. Yeah, fresh start, baby. Hey, you know, fair enough. I like fresh starts. So what else you got for us? Rock and I are going to discuss and debate our way through all things paranormal, legendary, monstrous, and of course, fun. Yes, fun. We want to keep the fun factor high, y'all, as we head into Season 3. But Max, do you want to know what's not funny? What's that? Native American witches who have the power to curse, curse sicken, possess, and kill. Yeah, none of those things sound very fun. And just a quick question. So you say Native American witches. Are we talking about any specific tribe or people? Or is this kind of an all-encompassing piece of dark folklore? Good question. So according to the lore, skinwalkers are more of a Navajo legend. Though many Native American tribes have many different traditions on shapeshifters, we're going to try to stick close to the American Southwest, which is traditionally the home of the Navajo Nation, or the Diné, as they call themselves. Lead on. And I have to say, we've had many listeners request this subject from us. You are correct, Max. In fact, loyal listener Benny Hanna sent us this message. Loved the werewolf episode. Will you ever do a Skinwalkers episode? 
So, Benny Hanna, thanks for the kind review and message. And the answer is yes. <laughs> what you're hearing is the episode you wanted. Yep, yep. Let it not be said, we don't hear the requests of our loyal listeners out here in the hinterlands. You ask, we deliver. See how fast that was? We aim to please, y'all. Most responsive podcast ever. ever. <laughs> Just wanted to pat ourselves on the back real quick there. Ain't nothing wrong with that once in a while. So. Continue on, good sir. Skinwalkers. The term skinwalker is and has been a kind of a hot-button word in the paranormal community for a while now. How do you mean? Just that it seems to have entered the lexicon and lingo of, quote, ghost hunters and paranormal investigators and seems to be something of a catch-all in terms of encountering any sort of bipedal, wolf-like creature. We could also add Dogman to the list, don't you think? Ah, well said, and yes, totally agree. Shout out to the great and powerful Linda S. Godfrey, whose books on the Beast of Bray Road and other dogmen in the U.S. are great reads. And yeah, Max, that's definitely a podcast for another day. We'll pack our bags and head up to Wisconsin, the land of your birth, and search for some dogmen. Yeah. We'll get some beer and cheese curds as well. Maybe make the pilgrimage to Lake Geneva and pour some Mountain Dew on the ground where the OG D&D nerds created the game we love so much. Dude, I'm there. Let's make it happen. I'm all for brews and cheese and paying homage to D&D. You need to play more, by the way. <laughs> I do, man, but Zoom D&D just doesn't really do it for me. Yeah. I mean, I got to say, it's definitely not the same thing as sitting around the table, but it's better than nothing. I've been using Roll20.net. Nice. They've got a pretty good thing going. Okay, sorry for that tangent. Yeah, focus. <laughs> so... We've already broken the seal on the whole shapeshifter genre with our werewolves episode. Werewolves are the gold standard when it comes to people shifting from one form to another. Though Viking berserkers might have something to say about that. Let's let the people decide. Skinwalkers, as we ran across, mm -hmm. have a multitude of shapes they can assume. So, Rock, you stated earlier that skinwalkers were witches? Mm -hmm. No mention of lycanthropy in there? No, you know, according to the lore, witches, lycanthropy, or terianthropy don't really figure into the legends. Okay, so we can assume they're practicing witchcraft. Is it the same type of witchcraft that European witches practice? Aspects of it, Max, for sure. As we've run across in the lore, there are many tales of witches in Europe and beyond taking the shapes of various animals for a variety of purposes. Yeah. Owls, ravens, and cats, to name a few. Skinwalkers are said to take the forms of owls, foxes, wolves, crows, deer, coyote. So yeah, similarities do exist. Do the Navajo call them skinwalkers? Well, from what we've run across, they don't really talk about them at all. It's considered taboo. But the word, and we assume this is a Diné word, is Yinaudlushi. And that's the Navajo word for one who practices the witchery way. And it translates into, with it he goes on all fours creepy. Also, just a quick aside, I totally recall that word, Yinod Lushi, because Harry Dresden went up against one of these things in one of the many Dresden file books that I read. Mm -hmm. Jim Butcher, he loves incorporating all the folklore. Agreed, man. I love me some Harry Dresden. Those books just got better and better as the series went along. Word. So, ready for a story? Bring it. So to add some context, this happened after nightfall just outside Window Rock, Arizona, as a father and son encountered a larger-than-average coyote sitting in the middle of the road. In the desert southwest, just like you said. We slowed down as to not hit it, and we could see that this coyote was a big boy, larger than usual, and just sitting there out in the middle of nowhere, right in the center of this lonely desert road. 
It didn't seem afraid of our car at all, and just stared at us as we approached, not moving a muscle. So I honked the horn trying to scare it off, but it just stares at us with these big yellow eyes that looked very eerily almost human. We were a little unsettled at this point and just decided to drive around it and continue on our way. We get past it and start driving off and my dad says, would you look at that? I take a peek into the rear view and see the coyote is loping along behind us, following us. I speed up and it matches our speed, gaining on us. Then, just like that, there is a man, a naked man, running alongside our car and he began sort of slapping the side of the vehicle. He had this freaky grin on his face. We are at this point going over 50 miles an hour and gaining speed, but there he is running alongside our car. He then lets out this sort of wail and swerves off into the night. It scared the hell out of us. From MysteriousUniverse.org Man, skinwalkers keeping up with the truck? All turning into the flash and whatnot? <laughs> Dude, that's seriously scary. What would you do in that situation? I mean, what could you do besides go faster? It's not like we can bust out our silver swords and go monster hunting, am I right? What does one do when Geralt of Rivia is not around? <laughs> and what if just ahead in the road was a sharp bend mm. that one could lose control if they weren't familiar with that section of the road? Then things go to another level of danger. And as the lore goes, these individuals don't have people's best interest in mind, Max. As a witness said in the story, it scared the hell out of us. One thing we ran across is that they possibly feed off fear. Yeah, I remember running across that. This is us going back to our hauntings episode. Episode 3, for those of you who want to go back and listen or re-listen. Old school, great episode. Exactly. And in that episode, we talked about Rudolf Steiner, who said... We had to master our fear because he believed there were entities out there that fed off of it. Well, I think mastering your emotions is a great thing across the board, but I'm not sure Steiner was talking about Navajo witches. He was referring to entities on the other side of the veil. Definitely. I mean, you get my meaning. Of course. Another thing we ran across was how one is, I guess, kind of, for lack of a better word, indoctrinated into becoming a skinwalker. Mm-hmm. You know, if they choose that path, it's pretty dark stuff. As is this whole subject. Please expound. So the long and the short of it is, if you go this route, right at the start, the very first thing you have to do is kill a loved one. Nope. Like a person that you care about. And then you bring this person to whoever is sponsoring you. Yeah, man. According to the lore, the witchery way is the path a Navajo witch takes. And that path is filled with death, the dead, and corpses. Yeah, and apparently they make a lot of the potions and poisons that they use on people from the corpses, mm. powders and whatnot. Many folks have cited them around graveyards. Makes sense. Like we said, it's all pretty dark. That's putting it mildly. So, John, a friend of the show and a friend of ours, had an interesting talk with a Native American, a Navajo woman he met in Farmington, New Mexico. So he's driving down from Durango, Colorado. And he stops right outside Farmington. And there's a large Native American population thereabouts. And John will talk to anybody. <laughs> Absolutely, he will. So he just starts chatting with this woman at the gas station as he's gassing up, asking her about the area and all that. And he says she's super cool and she's telling him about the area. And John mentions something about wanting to take some shrooms or peyote and head into the canyons there and have a spirit quest. You know, something along those lines. Yeah, that does sound exactly <laughs> like John. That kid's all about the adventure. 
So he tells her this, and according to him, her face darkens, and she gets super serious, and she's like, no, that wouldn't be a good idea. That's not a good thing for you to do. To go to the canyons by yourself, really dangerous. dangerous. Well, John has traveled all over by himself, camped solo in Alaska. He's pretty outdoorsy. No, totally. And John is like, no, I get you, but I'm kind of an experienced outdoorsman, yada, yada, yada. And she's like, no, dude, it's not you. It's that there are things out there that will hurt you. There are witches out there that are waiting for stupid people <laughs> like yourself to go camping solo. If you do go out there, you have to go in a group. And even then, there's a good chance you'll see something. So what canyon was she talking about? I believe this was the Chaco Canyon area. Oh, man. That place is amazing. All the roads, the structures. Mm-hmm. Definitely super cool to visit that place. It would be. I've driven through a lot of New Mexico myself, but never through that area. Mostly through Santa Fe and Albuquerque. Chaco Canyon on the list. Southwest road trip, here we come. We just uh, rather not see any skinwalkers. Nope. Not at all. We're not witchers after all. Unfortunately. Or, well, fortunately, <laughs> that trial of grasses is no joke. 30% survival rate. Nope. Don't want to do it. And, you know, I'm so looking forward to season two of The Witcher, by the way. Just thought I'd throw that out there. A lot of good stuff coming out. The Wheel of Time, Lord of the Rings. I mean, so much stuff. Yep. But let's focus. Back on track, Maxie. Come on. That Navajo woman warned John from going off by himself. I mean, that was really cool of her. Sort of public service announcement. Yeah, she just told him straight up, there are witches out there, you need to stay away. She didn't get super into the lore about Navajo witches with him, just told him it'd be best for him to not go alone. She also told him about these little dwarf-type creatures with red eyes that were super strong that could literally toss large boulders. Scary. And I have to say, I've read of the red-eyed dwarf lore in places as far north as Canada. Podcast for another day, baby. Could be. Did he end up going? He said he seriously thought about it, but... He decided not to go after all. Probably a wise move on his part. One of the few. <laughs> exactly. Another interesting facet of the legend is that, as we stated earlier, the Navajo people don't like to talk about skinwalkers. Did you come across a reason? Well, to put it bluntly, because they might just be talking to a skinwalker. Because in Navajo culture, these witches live among and alongside the Navajo people. So... Mm, makes sense. You just never know who you're talking to in that sense. And you definitely don't want to get their attention. And they rarely talk to outsiders about them either. Out of sight, out of mind. Like we found out, it's a taboo subject. How about another story? I'm in like Flynn. One summer evening in 1990, I was returning to Flagstaff from a visit to the Blue Canyon area of Tikiato near Big Mountain. Relaxed and happy from a weekend with friends, I was nearing the reservation line, thinking of the chores I needed to perform before returning to work in the morning. Maybe a mile ahead, a pickup truck was suddenly illuminated by bright tail lights. It looked like the driver was dropping off a hitchhiker before heading up to a sheep camp. As I got closer, I watched the young man step to the edge of the road. He was dangerously handsome, with long, flowing midnight hair. His jean jacket was unbuttoned, exposing a warm brown muscular chest. I signaled to pull off the road and waited for the man to run up to my car. The rear door opened and the car shifted under his weight as he settled in and shut the door. I looked over my left shoulder and signaled to pull back onto the roadway. Then, accelerating, I turned to ask my guest where he was going. In the back seat of my little Ferenzi sat a wizened old man 
short gray hair poking out from a greasy old baseball cap. He wore a long-sleeved flannel work shirt and sported the biggest toothless grin I'd seen in a long while. A quick glance into the rearview mirror showed the open, empty expanse where the young warrior had stood only moments before. When I dropped the old trickster off at the Diamond Corner store, he was laughing out loud. Though I was not harmed, the experience changed my outlook on the world forever. Witchcraft is indeed alive and well on the Navajo Reservation, and non-Indians are not immune. From Navajo Magic by Sandra J. Wilson Okay, so this old guy, this trickster, used his magic to hitch a ride? Seems like it. Even though she turned out okay and just had an interesting story to tell, that's still really unnerving. Hey, I mean... He knew he had to put forth the image of that Navajo GQ model if he was going to get a <laughs> ride to the corner store before it closed. Honestly, as far as Skinwalker stories go, that one's pretty friendly. She was lucky. This guy just used, you know, his powers to create an image of a Native American Fabio to get to the corner store to get a pack <laughs> of smokes. I can't believe it's not butter. <laughs> so, she mentioned in the story how non-Indians are not immune to Navajo witchcraft. Do you know of many other stories of non-tribe members having encounters? Yeah, uh, some. A sort of well-known one happened in the early 1980s. So a quick rundown is a family of fours driving through the large Navajo reservation on Route 163, and it's very close to midnight. Well after sundown. Oh yeah, it's totally dark. So they've been driving alone along this road, and then they notice a light behind them on the road, like another car behind them. And they're like, oh, we have some company. But the light soon goes out, and they wonder if the person had a flat tire or something and were pondering going back to see if they needed help. Good Samaritans. So as they're thinking about going back to help, the air in the car seems to shift, like time was slowing down, and they don't know what the hell is happening. Which, as we've come to see, is a hallmark of some sort of paranormal activity about to begin. Absolutely, you're 100% right. But literally, almost as soon as this feeling hits, they see a person on the side of the road ahead of them, wearing a flannel shirt, jeans, boots... Pretty typical for the desert southwest, I'd wager. But this dude is hairy. And by that, I mean everything that's not covered by clothes is fur covered. I know dudes like that. (laughs) And this thing has a dog or wolf-like head. And it's staring at them with glowing eyes as they pass by. So they continue to drive on in silence, passing this creature who just seems to be chilling on the side of the road in the middle of nowhere. I bet the family is like, what the hell? Totally. But before they can even process what they've seen, this thing is running alongside of their truck, banging on the doors, freaking everyone the hell out. Oh man, just like that other story. Does the driver gun it and gain high speed with this creature keeping up? Absolutely. So the dad floors it, and this thing is keeping pace, and then it jumps on the side of the truck, and it's trying to open the doors and just scaring the hell out of this poor family. And then it just hops off the truck and disappears into the darkness. So what did the family do? They continued hauling ass through the res and eventually get to a gas station in a small town. And after they had calmed down a bit, they decided to search the truck for marks or prints that this thing would have left on their dirty truck, which they had been road tripping with all over the Southwest. And you know what? They couldn't find a thing. No prints, no marks, scratches, scuffs, or dents. Like nothing. Damn, that's wild. Yep. It's like it was all an illusion. Some spirit creature. If it was a physical creature, it should have left some mark of its passing. You would think so. 
That's super freaky to say the least. And this family was not native, you say? Correct. Wow. And there was an interesting postscript to the story as well. So weeks after this occurred, the two kids were at home somewhere around Flagstaff, and their parents were out and about, and it was nighttime already. Uh-oh. Really, man. So the kids were at home, and the little brother hears some sort of drumming coming from outside, just as low rhythmic drumming, and he gets a little freaked out because they don't live in a crowded neighborhood. Yeah, like it's not the next-door neighbor kid's band having garage practice. <laughs> just so, not like Austin. Everybody in a damn band. Agreed. I also think it's probably that sixth sense we have, Rock. For sure. Might just be your sixth sense telling you to get the hell out of there. Totally. So he tells his sister and she gets a vibe that something's not right either. So they turn off the lights in the house and start looking outside the windows. And at the corner of their fence, they see three figures. And one is drumming and the other two are trying to climb over the small fence that encircles their house. Oh man, that skinwalker found them. Apparently. These figures... They see that for some reason, they simply can't climb over the fence. It's like they get to the top and something, some force pushes them back over. Wow. So just for perspective, this is just a normal chain link fence, like a four foot high chain link fence. I believe so, yeah. So these witches can run as fast as cars, but they can't climb a small fence. Okay. So fast forward the next day. The kids let their parents know what happened, and they contact a Navajo friend of the family, who also is something of a medicine man, and he comes over to the house. He checks the scene and is surprised at the kid's story. He says it's rare that Navajo witches go after people outside the tribe, but obviously this family had something that they wanted. Did he explain why they couldn't cross over the fence? Yeah, he posited that the family had some sort of guardian spirits that thwarted the skinwalker's attempt to enter their home. I mean, that's pretty cool. Yep. Plus, the sacred boundary of the home, right? Totally. Could be something similar to how in vampiric lore, they have to be invited in. I don't know. I'm just speculating here. Max, could be. So the medicine man blessed their house, gave them several amulets of protection, and they never had any more problems after that. Man, that's intense. Can I get some of those amulets of protection? Totally. As long as they're plus two, at least. Yeah. <laughs> So, you ready for a story? It's why we're here. So this comes from Redditor Neptune420. Now this guy's dad had a business in Farmington, New Mexico that took them to many rural parts of the state. On this occasion, a friend of his tagged along in another truck to visit some relatives as they had business in Window Rock, Arizona. And just a quick note, this is the second story we've had tonight that takes place around Window Rock, Arizona. <laughs> yep, you know, we should postpone our vacation in that area, Max. I'll cancel the Airbnb. Good move. We're somewhere on the highway between Window Rock and Gallup, New Mexico. It had just rained earlier in the day and the road was kind of slick, so we were taking it pretty slow. On the left of the highway, there is nothing but sandstone cliffs, and on the right, there's a huge field separated from the road by a small barbed wire fence. We crest the top of this hill, and down at the bottom of the hill, we see what appears to be a very large dog sitting back on its haunches in the middle of the road facing the cliffs. My dad calls over the radio. Hey, Travis, did you see that big-ass dog? Travis starts yelling back over the radio. That is not a dog. Speed up right now and hit it. He sounds almost hysterical. He just keeps screaming. Hit it. You have to hit it. Please, please hit that thing right now. So my dad starts to speed up as we get a bit closer. And I can see it a little more clearly. It's covered in this brown, wiry, matted fur that appears to have dried blood all over it. It's still facing the cliffs, but the moment our headlights hit it, it turns and looks at us, and it has a face. 
I don't know how else to describe it other than a mix between a bear's and a human's face. It looks twisted and distorted and almost in pain. As we get closer to this thing, we start to realize it's actually really huge. Though it was still sitting on its haunches, it's about shoulder height with the hood of the truck. We get literally inches from hitting it when it lets out the scream that sounds like someone screaming as if their lungs were filling with water. And it leaps backwards toward the field, landing just on our side with a barbed wire fence. Then with another leap, it was gone from sight. Travis comes in over the radio again. Holy crap, keep driving. We have to get the hell out of here. We have to go faster. He kept repeating that over and over again. We have to get out of here. We have to go faster. Pretty soon we're speeding like crazy, and just as we start to near the outskirts of Gallup, we get pulled over. Travis pulls his truck over with us. Naturally, this makes a cop, a Navajo man himself, very on edge, and he immediately asks why Travis felt the need to pull over as well. Travis says, We just saw a skinwalker a few miles back and it's been following us. The officer immediately turns white, stammers something about a verbal warning, gets in his car, and takes off. We do the same. Okay, this story is pretty wicked. The cop, a Navajo man himself, just knew. He knew he had to get the hell out of there. Ticket be damned, I'm out. Right? So this little convoy is hauling ass through Gallup, and he's probably thinking, gonna write me a couple of tickets, go get a burger after this. And then he hears what's going on. And like you said, he just got the hell out of there. Wise move in my opinion. The description of the entity they saw, that it looked to be in pain, that the face was distorted, mm-hmm. that goes down the road of a lot of shapeshifter lore. How's that? Well, think about it. I mean, your very core, your bones and muscles are being distorted, stretched, manipulated into something else entirely. Uh. The process, according to the lore, and I mean, I guess common sense too, is would be quite painful, can't be pleasant. Well, we've all seen the classic transformation scene in An American Werewolf in London, right? Yeah. So, as you'd expect, pretty painful. Good point. And you know, another thing I ran across is that some younger tribe members don't really buy into the stories as told them by their elders. Damn kids, listen to the old folks, y'all. They've been around the proverbial block. And so they don't buy into it, and some would even talk about skinwalkers openly, only to be chastised by an elder for doing it. And some of the tales we ran across were that these kids and their families, like literally the night they were discussing it, all kind of nonchalantly in mixed company, had some really scary encounter with these witches. Banging on the walls, large heavy footsteps on the roof, and these non-human howls outside in the dark. The smell of rotting meat getting into the house, just absolutely terrifying experiences. Man, that's rough. Again, let's listen to our elders, y'all. It's not for nothing they've reached the age of wisdom, and we're foolish if we're not taking advantage of that knowledge. Agreed. My grandma, my abuela, would do the same thing, like, be careful out if you're going to be out late. If you hear a whistle, don't whistle back. Lechuzas in South Texas. They were a thing, man. And when you think about it, Lechuzas have some striking similarities with skinwalkers. The practicing of black magic, the shifting into a more powerful animal form, the ability to curse, all of that. Yep, lots of similarities for sure. The whole black magic and shifting into another more powerful animal-like form thing, totally. Another story, well, rather, incident I ran across concerned uh, author Christopher O'Brien, who writes a lot of books on ufology and paranormal stuff. Look him up if you want an interesting read. No, totally. He's written some really cool books. Uh, So what happened to this guy? 
Well, he was doing research on skinwalkers, asking around, asking various Native Americans if they'd encountered one. Mm -hmm. And he had a few people talk to him, but not many. Well, as we discussed, right, it's not really a topic for polite conversation. Right. So one evening, he's at home, and this is in New Mexico, and he's showering in his attached greenhouse. And he noticed what he could only describe as a six-foot-tall, antler-adorned, bipedal entity walking across the front of the greenhouse windows, gliding left to right. Oh, hell no. Not long after, he had another incident. So his house is two stories, right? And he's downstairs, and he hears a series of banging sounds on the windows on the second story like a rapid series of knocks that went around the second story of his house in a clockwise circle. He ran outside with a flashlight and found nothing. I would have totally stayed inside. Yeah, me too. Later, talking to his Diné friends, they told him, this is pretty typical of a skinwalker trying to get your attention. Don't want that kind of attention. Shall we get into another story, Max? Let's do it. Lead on, sir. We live in a rural community in the Navajo Reservation. My aunt and her two brothers were home alone while my grandparents had left for the evening to attend a chapter house meeting. They were in the house, and like many people from the reservation, they didn't have electricity. It had been dark outside for about an hour, and my aunt and my uncles were getting ready for bed. Outside they heard noises, as if someone was moving things around outside. My oldest uncle went to look out the front window and saw a figure out by the truck. This was immensely out of the ordinary because the closest neighbor was miles away. Whatever it was, or whoever it was, opened the truck door and began to dig through the personal items that my family had left in the vehicle. My aunt and uncles were frightened by the sight and knew they had to take action. They took out the rifle and all steadied themselves to hold it up. They flung open the door and aimed the gun at the dark figure. The figure turned, started to walk toward them, totally unfazed by the weapon. My uncle pulled the trigger, but nothing happened. The figure drew closer and my aunt began to smell something like a rotting corpse. It was so strong it made her gag. My uncle continued to pull the trigger with no luck and the figure came closer and closer. Off in the distance, headlights were coming up the road. My grandparents were returning. The figure looked toward the lights and started to move away, tucking itself behind a tree near the house. My eldest uncle ran toward the truck with the gun. My grandfather got out of the car and my uncle pointed to the tree. The thing was poking out its head to observe what they were doing. My grandfather ran into the house and over to the stove and grabbed a handful of ashes and rubbed it over the gun and placed an ash-covered bullet into the chamber. He walked out onto the porch and fired toward the tree. Whatever that thing was, it didn't expect the gun to go off. The gunshot echoed and the dark figure began running. My grandma chased my aunt inside and my uncles and my grandfather went after it. There weren't many roads or paths, so as my grandfather and uncles chased after the figure, the truck was bouncing and the headlights were not fixed on one particular spot. My uncle swears that when the headlights would hit the figure, he saw a woman. Not only that, Whatever was running was running on all fours like a bear. And my grandfather eventually stopped the truck as they neared the ditch that drops about 20 feet. He got out and began to yell in Navajo. My uncle says he was yelling about a local woman. He yelled that he wasn't scared and that he knew it was her and to leave his family alone. A few days passed and there was news that the woman that my grandfather had yelled about had passed. 
I've always been told that if you know who the skinwalker is, say their name, and it will kill them. From an account by Redditor Isha Ninja. So by naming the witch, he gained power over her. Folklore from the beginning of time tells of the incredible power of names. In the old tales, to name something was to have dominion over it. It's interesting, too. The grandfather wasn't afraid at all. He knew exactly what to do. Grabbed his gun, ammo, covered him with ash, and he was out the door. Like we said earlier, listen to your elders, y'all. And somehow the ash countered whatever magic the skinwalker was using. Another thing I ran across in the lore was to show no fear when you encounter them. Because, like we posited earlier, they may feed on fear. Agreed. Well, that might be easier said than done. (laughs) True. You know, unless you have your silver sword handy. I always do. Nice. Or my blessed BB gun. Or firearms and ammo covered with ash. Any port in a storm, as we say. So, Max, with that last tidbit, we are done. About time. Gotta get home before it gets dark. Best to be safe, amigo. So, friends... Thank you all for spending time with Max and myself as we dive headlong into Historic Season 3 here at Nightmares and Daydreams. Yep. As we said before, we could not do it without you. Or we could, but it wouldn't be nearly as fun. Not fun at all. And for those of you asking if we were ever going to get a Patreon page going, well, guess what? It's up and running and ready for your support. We got some exciting things on there. Yeah, I've been waiting for this for a long time. Or we're going to have extra content on there. Bonus content, yep. Y'all are going to love it. We have a couple of tiers to choose from. Go to patreon.com forward slash nightmares podcast to check it out. Support, guys. We would love anything you can give us. It would help us keep the lights on and keep the podcast going. And if y'all want to make a one-time donation, head on over to buymeacoffee.com and buy us a cup or two of delicious coffee. Rest assured, your donations and support will help keep us and the podcast going strong. And when you head over to buymeacoffee.com, just search Nightmares Podcast. Also, hit us up on all the socials, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all that. Head over to our own damn website as well at nightmarespodcast.net and holler at your boys. Maybe pick up some fun merch. We'd love to hear from you. And the best bard in the business, Teresa Joy, gives us that amazing sound and music many of you have commented on. Find and follow her at Viabrite. That's at V-I-O-B-R-I-T-E on Facebook and Instagram. Also, check out her own page at TeresaJoyMusic.com to listen to some of her music. It really is a pleasure to work with such an artist. And just for the spelling, it's T-E-R-E-S-A JoyMusic.com. And she's so good, Max. We are so lucky to have her on our team. Thanks for listening, folks. And stick around. This is going to be a fun season. Max speaks true, y'all. So be safe out there. Happy October. And as always... Sweet dreams. dreams.